You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I've learned to slam on the brake before I even turn the key. Hi, I'm Robert Schneider, and welcome to 50 Key Stage Musicals, the podcast, a companion piece to the Routledge Press publication, 50 Key Stage Musicals, which is available for purchase by going to Routledge.com or clicking the link below in today's show description. Today's episode focuses on Chapter 50, the 2016 production of Dear Evan Hansen, and with us today is the author of that chapter, Frederick D. Miller. A dramaturg, Mr. Miller's work focuses on 20th and 21st century American theater. His work has informed productions of Angels in America, A Little Night Music, To Kill a Mockingbird, and Caroline or Change. He is the regional recipient and national semifinalist for the 2020 KCACTF Award for Outstanding Dramaturgy, and a project associate for the hashtag HereToProject, which amplifies youth activists' voices through performance. An advocate for theater education, Mr. Miller is a frequent teaching artist with high school and theaters in the central Pennsylvania region. Uh, Frederick, it is so nice to have you join us today. Thank you for having me, Rob. So my first question for you is, what makes Dear Evan Hansen a key musical? Dear Evan Hansen arrived at a time when social media was really becoming the forefront of everyone's consciousness. And the producers were aware of that. And they used that in both the marketing and in the storyline and it's really the first musical that we see use that strategy to market their show, using social media as both the character in the show, but also outside of the show. Why did you want to codify the history of this particular show? To be perfectly honest, because of my age, uh, I'm 21 years old. I was 16 when the musical came out on Broadway. This musical is so near and dear to my heart. Um, I believe, maybe not for everyone in my generation, but for me specifically, this was my rent. This was my spring awakening. This was the musical that I listened to on repeat, the original cast album. Um, so I feel a really big connection to the piece. What was it specifically about this show that you felt spoke to you at that particular age? It was really the idea of being an outsider, being a uh, someone that doesn't necessarily feel like they fit in with the, the norm. Uh, I think a lot of theater kids feel that way at one point or another in their high school experience. Being in the school musical isn't always the coolest thing to do. And um, I, I really related to the idea of Evan Hansen uh, being on the outside looking in. Um, and I, I felt seen honestly watching this musical, not to steal the tagline from the show, but uh, it, it felt like an authentic depiction of the struggles of being someone who doesn't always feel like they fit in. And I think that's someone, that's something that translates to all generations, not just high schoolers. So do you feel that something like Dear Evan Hansen will be performed 20 or 30 years from now with the same impact? That's hard to say. I think this musical arrived at a time when social media was really beginning to impact our lives. 
I don't know where we'll be in say 20, 30 years. Will it have the same impact or will it really feel like a product of its time? Um, I think the themes of feeling isolated and shut off from society will always be relevant. Um, but the necessary details of how social media impacts us, I don't know how that will read. And I'm excited to find out. One of the things I found so fascinating about your chapter is, is that you discuss a character in Dear Evan Hansen that's not tangible, that's not an actual human being, and that's the character of social media. Is Dear Evan Hansen, or could we say Dear Evan Hansen is really the first musical to use social media as a springboard for the dramatic events that happen in the play? Thinking about the musicals that have come before this, uh, that use social media in some form of their production, it was really just for marketing purposes. We see mm. Next to Normal being the first show that has a Twitter account, um, Hamilton using Ham for Ham, uh, broadcasting those, those concerts outside their stage door. But Dear Evan Hansen really is the first one to have social media as a character. Um, and I think that's just because it was responding to the time in which it was created. Before this, social media wasn't really that big a part of our lives but it was getting there. How does Dear Evan Hansen use social media, which once again is not a literal person, it's not a character that personifies it. How do they use it throughout the show to keep the audience present of social media? Sure, it, it's really through their design elements that it becomes a, an apparent figure in the show. The, the minute you walk into the Music Box Theater, you're enveloped in this cacophony of, of sounds of notifications going off, Facebook messages, Snapchats, um, and the projection design is just engrossing you. Um, and then once the show starts, you have all of these characters constantly surrounded by these projection screens that it feels like this superficial presence on stage that is just, this is their world. This is the world that these characters live in. They're surrounded by social media, the constant connection. Um, which then makes it interesting because Evan feels so isolated in this world that appears to be so connected with everyone. Can you tell us a little bit about the origins of how Dear Evan Hansen came to be? Because it's an anomaly in American musical theater, which is it's based on nothing. It's an original story. It's not based on a movie or a book or a play. Uh, how did this idea even come to fruition? So the idea for Dear Evan Hansen originated from a personal event in Benj Pasek's life. Um, a classmate in high school had committed suicide. And in the days following, uh, people started uh, saying, oh, I have this attachment with this person. Um, they were really close to me. They meant this, they meant this to me, X, Y, Z. And even Benj Pasek admits to doing that himself. I talk about in the chapter. Um, and so the two of them thought that it would be an interesting idea to, how would that exist in a musical setting? And so this original idea based on a true event that happened then became the basis for this musical. And Stacey Mindich heard their idea and, and went with it. And that's how Dear Evan Hansen came to be. And it originally started out as like a cynical idea, cynical commentary on human nature and how we tend to make things seem more than what they actually were. Um, and then when social media, as they're writing this, social media is, of course, growing. Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, all of these social media sites are uh, popping up in the late 2000s, early 2010s. And then it became, oh, well, how does social media exacerbate this? 
And that is how we arrived at social media becoming such an apparent character in Dear Evan Hansen, because they were responding to the time in which the show was being created. Teenage musicals are a relatively new genre in in musical theater because we have children's musicals with something like Annie or we have something like musicals for young uh, female identifying tweens, something like Wicked. What exactly is a teenage musical and what is it trying to get across to its audience? Teenagers were in musicals, but almost like they were only in musicals to be made fun of. Mm. We have we have Grease and Bye Bye Birdie where it's showing high school life, but it's kind of making fun of it. And the parents are the ones that are the authority figures and have all the common sense. Meanwhile, their kids are running around amok. Um, but then you get into the 2000s and a, a piece like Spring Awakening occurs where it the student, the kids, high schoolers, students, whatever, they have autonomy. And it's the adults that are the ones that are kind of standing in the way of them exploring their identities and growing up. And I think Spring Awakening paved a, a big way for a show like Dear Evan Hansen to occur. And then you kind of get like a mix of it both with Dear Evan Hansen, where you have the, the high schoolers and you see their parents and they're both in communication with each other. And I think that's why this musical hits the family, the family dynamic so much harder than probably past musicals that deal with the family dynamic because it's giving autonomy and voice to both sides. And then would you make a case that maybe Dear Evan Hansen is not necessarily classified as a teenage musical, but a family musical? Absolutely. I, I remember going to see the show on a high school trip and there was not a dry eye in the theater after the end of act one with You Will Be Found. And it was hitting people in different ways. The parents that were the chaperones on the trip were crying because they felt Larry Murphy's tears at the end of You Will Be Found. Meanwhile, people my generation are feeling the tears of, of Zoe Murphy crying about her brother and clinging to Evan. Um, it, it's hitting differently for every single person, but it is hitting them for a very specific reason. This idea of you will be found, uh, which uh, I know that you know a lot about the social media aspects of, of how this phrase became a marketing tool and is now in the cultural lexicon. Can you tell us a little bit about how this show was marketed to audiences from inception to what we now have in, in movies? It's really interesting how big it has become as part of the marketing scheme when it didn't really uh, come into fruition until off-Broadway. So Arena Stage, there was a different song called A Part of Me, I believe, um, at the end of act one, and they cut it because it felt a little too down to end the first act with, and there wasn't really anything going, it wasn't going anywhere. So when they got to off-Broadway, they decided to swap it out with You Will Be Found. And this, this song about, you know, even when the dark comes crashing through, uh, there'll be a hand there to help you. I'm butchering the lyrics, but uh, <laughs> um, this idea that you will, there's always someone there. You need only reach out your hand and someone will grab you and help you along the way. Um, that's a really inspiring message. And Stacey Mendich knew that. And so hashtag you will be found became the marketing idea of, oh, hashtag you will be found. Let's slap a picture on on Twitter with a production still or fans holding up pieces of paper saying hashtag you will be found, it forms a community. And that's how they, they decided that there's something here. This is drawing people in. 
And there was this huge campaign from off-Broadway onto Broadway to have fans submit pictures of them holding up hashtag you will be found written on a piece of paper. And then those became part of the marketing campaigns. You had posters all over social media in New York, everywhere um, of these fans holding these papers. Um, and so they felt like they had a part of the show as well. They were along the way. What do you think the writers are trying to say about social media? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is there a point of view on social media? I think for them it changed because initially they really wanted to be super cynical about all the bad ways that social media can affect us. Um, and they do do that in the musical, but they also show the other side of it because it's complicated. Like everything else in life, it's complicated and that you have to look at things from every single side. I think they really show the good of people. Um, you will be found all these people sharing Evan's inspirational message at the, at the pep rally or the, the assembly for Connor. Um, and so you, you see how people share it. Oh my gosh, you, you hear it in the virtual community's voices. You need to hear this. I needed this today, the cacophony of voices. Um, but then it, it kind of turns on its head then when you hear the reprise of you will be found later in the show when Connor's suicide note is posted online, then you see just how vicious people can actually become on social media. And that community that can be formed and is great can just as easily be ripped apart because we're constantly connected. We're constantly with each other. Um, I remember in high school, my freshman year uh, lunch table, we had a group chat and it was great. But then we were with each other 24 seven and slowly we started getting really irritated with each other because we were always connected in this group chat. And so seeing you will be found live, it's just like, oh yeah, they're always with each other. They're always connected. Yeah, they're gonna eventually turn on each other. I think the Dear Evan Hansen shows the best of humanity and the worst of humanity at the same time, which I think is makes good writing. Um, I think people are responding to the found community that occurs. Um, everyone wants to belong. Everyone wants to fit in and be a part of something bigger than themselves. And I think what you will be found shows is people doing just that. Um, they're responding to how this community can help people process things and grieve things. This is why people go to support groups. So that way they can come into community with people and listen to other people's stories and know that they're not alone. And does that does the audience in that moment become a found community? I believe so. Um, theater is such a commu communal act going in there together the lights go down, you're listening to a story, you have these people walk out onto stage and they're gonna hold your hand and tell you a story and they're gonna take care of you. Um, and being there all in that moment, it creates, creates a community in person and not on social media. So it can happen both ways. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the director of Dear Evan Hansen, Michael Greif. Uh, can we talk a little bit about his career and some of the other things that he has worked on, which have become epic in American musical theater. Uh, Michael Greif, uh, really when he came into fruition, uh, was with Rent, which a huge game changer for the style of music, the storylines, the depictions of the characters on stage that had never been done before. And then we see it again with Next to Normal. We see mental illness being depicted on stage in ways that it had never been done before. It's done with tact and done with grace and an understanding that this is one person's story. This isn't 
this isn't trying to make a statement about mental illness. It's about one person's story. Um, and so it, it seemed natural that he would be the choice then for Dear Evan Hansen. And that's exactly what Stacey Minich wanted. She wanted Michael Greif's dramaturgical eye, as I write in the, the chapter. What do you think is impactful about the direction of Dear Evan Hansen? As I was talking about earlier, I really love how these these characters are just enveloped by these the, by the projections, by social media. The set in the libretto is a blank empty space filled with screens. So it seems like a wasteland, right? And then you fill in all these screens and you have these characters um, just enveloped by all of these screens. It, it creates a, a focused image for the audience. Um, it makes them feel like a part of something bigger than themselves, quite literally and figuratively at the same time. I love the authenticity of of the actors and the storyline and how they mesh together. And I think Michael Greif does a really good job of pulling out the humanity in these characters and in Steven Levinson's book. Feel that everything that comes out of these characters' mouths, I, I have said at some point or probably would say, it feels like it exists in my vernacular and in my generation's vernacular. Um, I think specifically to like Jared, uh, the character of Jared and everything that comes out of his mouth, whether it's a jab to Evan or just a jab to society in general. It's very self-deprecating, which is something that my generation knows how to do really well. Um, it, it feels honest. And even then hearing Heidi or Cynthia or Larry, things out of their mouths, it's like, oh yeah, I've definitely heard my mom say that to me at one point or another. I don't feel, I think it's, it's a true reflection of society. Uh, would you be so kind as to share with us, and it's in your chapter as well, but I would just love to hear more about it, which is, it looks like uh, maybe your high school is the one that adopted You Will Be Found as their school motto? It is, yeah. So my um, my high school, every year, the orchestra and choir programs would take a, a weekend New York trip. And I had a really close relationship with my high school orchestra director. She was my drama teacher as well. And in September, 2016, this was before Jerevan Hansen has opened on Broadway. She comes to me and is like, okay, what's, on, what's playing on Broadway? What will be playing on Broadway in May? I said, okay, well, there is this show coming. I've been following it since it was at arena stage. We have to go see it. We have to get our tickets now because it's going to be the hottest tickets. Um, I felt like I had a little crystal ball. And it was Dear Evan Hansen. And so we got the tickets for Dear Evan Hansen. And then all this news, the, the reviews started coming out. People were falling in love with this story. What a great show, a show for our times, all this stuff. We actually saw it the week that the Tony noms were announced. So Dear Evan Hansen oh, was wow. up for Best Musical, just by pure chance. Uh, we saw it that Saturday, the Saturday matinee. And so the feeling in that theater and the feeling just in the city was electric. They already had the marquees up with uh, all the Tony noms that they were up for. Um, and there were a lot of other administrators that come on the trip every year. And You Will Be Found really hit a lot of them um, and thought, oh, wow, what a great message. This is really good. And people in my my cohort that went with us, we started talking to other students, teachers started talking to teachers. And next thing you know, I walk into school for my senior year the following fall, and there's a huge banner uh, in the front lobby saying, hashtag you will be found. And they adopted it sure enough for the school motto for the year. And it was pretty amazing. And of course, 
only the theater kids really knew where that came <laughs> from. Um, but still, it's a message that's super universal. And who cares if you know that it's from a musical or not? The message is still the same through and through. And you said that there were school assemblies that were focused on uh, dialogues around social media? Yeah, so we would do classroom meetings about once a month. And one of the first classroom meetings that year was uh, talking about the idea of you will be found and uh, encouraging students, you know, if you feel, ever feel alone, come to come talk to your guidance counselor, come to the It Takes One Club, which was a like a stand up to bullying club, a really great organization in my school. Um, they gave out wristbands uh, ha that said hashtag you will be found CV uh, 2017, 2018. Um, I still have my wristband somewhere at home. Uh, but yeah, it was it was great. It was just encouraging students to have healthy dialogues around mental illness and social media. So whether students realized or not that we were all talking about Dear Evan Hansen, I don't know. But I knew for me, it was just super cool to see this musical enter into my life in a completely different way that I never would have expected. Dear Evan Hansen uh, won the Tony Award for Best Musical, um, and it uh, really beat out Come From Away, which was a musical about the compassion that people showed one another on 9-11. Then the next year, The Band's Visit, which is also about showing compassion. And then Town, which is about showing compassion. Why do you think in this particular moment in history, the musicals that are being the most rewarded or the ones that are showing humanity to one another? I think we need only look at the circumstances in which these shows are appearing. Uh, 2017, 2018, 2019, we have a person in the White House whose rhetoric is very divisive. We have a country that is being divided along red and blue lines. Um, I think the theater community is always going to be reflective of what's happening and what the people are looking for. Um, and during that particular administration, people are looking for compassion and community where we can still disagree on things, but still at the end of the day, we're all human and we need to, to value that and value that shared community. Um, so it's no surprise to me then that these musicals are the ones that are being recognized for that and the ones that are being held up as these great works of art. Um, Dear Evan Hansen, Come From Away, The Band's Visit, exactly as you said, Rob, they're all about showing compassion for fellow fellow human beings one of the interesting things i find about dear evan hansen like you had mentioned earlier which was it told so many people you will be found you have a place you're not alone and the show was really put up onto a pedestal and then just as quickly as it went up on the pedestal it was torn down with uh consistent complaints about the character of uh Dear Evan, dear Evan Hansen, of Evan Hansen, can you talk a little bit about the backlash that the character received? A huge criticism of the show is the fact that Evan, quote, gets off too easily at the end, end quote. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but the, the, the criticism is, is that, oh, well, he's never dragged on social media. He's never... Um, the, the Murphys kind of let him off. The Murphy should have sued him. The Murphy should have done this. Um, his life isn't ruined too, too much, right? And I think that's a that particular criticism is a direct reflection of where we are in society. And people want to talk about cancel culture and all all of this stuff and our our quote woke culture, whatever. Personally, I feel that 
Evan, he, he makes a horrible mistake, but at the end of the day, he is human. Um, and maybe this is my, my faith coming into play, but I believe that everyone is redeemable. Um, we can make horrible decisions, but at the end of the day, if we, re- if we acknowledge that and strive to do better, I think that we, we shouldn't be held to something that we did in the past if we, if we acknowledge that and move forward. And I, I really think that Evan does that, um, if not as evident in the musical, but really in the film version, the film adaptation that just came out, oh, uh, we see that happen. And as a dramaturg, let's imagine that you were, you're in the room and you can let the authors know your thoughts and opinions. Do you feel that uh, something needs to be changed with his character? So spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen the movie yet. Um, and everyone should see the movie. If you're a fan of the musical, definitely see the movie. And, um, and for our listeners, we should say that we're recording this in September of 2021. And the movie has just come out. So Right. Right. Maybe last week? Two weeks last ago? Last week, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the movie... Uh, the ending is a little, little different. Uh, Evan posts a video online saying exactly what he did. Uh, he loses all of his followers. People hate him. All of this stuff. And you really feel for Evan. And I think that that is also a criticism of the movie that it really tries too hard to make you feel for Evan um, and shows him being isolated once again. Um but what the movie then does is show Evan trying to make amends. Um, he finds the, the list of books that Connor uh, read um, and loved and begins to read every single book on that list. And this is talked about in the musical, but in the movie, we actually see him do this. Um, and he tries to uh, really discover who Connor actually was because he never knew Connor. Right. And we see him, uh, find a video of Connor in rehab uh, playing music. And the movie kind of alludes to that Connor was in rehab and had a guitar that he would never play for anyone. He only played for himself. And so Con- or Evan finds his video and sends it on flash drives. Very old school. Who uses flash drives anymore? And sends them to the Murphys, sends them to other students. So that way they can also know Connor. And I thought it was a really touching ending. I don't necessarily know if it was necessary um because it it kind of is all said in the musical in the final scene with zoe and evan in the orchard um but in the movie we see it do we think that that was changed because of the criticism that the stage show received i believe so um i i think people the writers knew that people were unhappy with uh evan kind of quote getting away with it um, and so they they wanted to play with it and see what happens if he doesn't get away with it. And what if it is Evan's decision to announce to the world? That was really interesting because what would have happened if the Murphys had said, you know, Evan lied, here's our proof, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think Evan being the one that announces to the world that he lied and I'm so sorry, that shows an intention to change and a regret for the past action. So I think that he is redeemable. And I think that, yeah, it's not the most ideal circumstances for him to end this particular moment in time with, but I think it's, it's a true reflection of life. You know, if people own up to their mistakes all the time, but it's the actions that come afterwards that we got to watch for. And that's what the movie does. 
I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Ben Platt, who right. is so intertwined with this character the same way somebody like Ethel Merman is will always be Mama Rose for us. What is it about Ben Platt as a performer that made his creation of Dear Evan, of Evan Hansen so memorable to so many? It was the physical and mental nature of his of his character. And I think what what is really interesting goes back to the fact that this is an original musical. There is no source material. So he really built this character from the ground up with Benj Pasek and Justin Paul and Stephen Levinson and Michael Greif in the room uh, from the very first reading. He was a part of it. And so he inherently, when that happens, parts of you are going to be put into the character, into the book writing. And he really encompassed everything that Evan Hansen is. Um, and that being said, I don't necessarily agree with the fact that this show can't happen without Ben Platt playing the role. I think that if that is ever the case, it's a sign of weak writing that this show can't live on without a particular actor in a role. Um, I understand the casting choice for Ben Platt in the movie. Um, I think that he's a little too old to be playing the role. He looks old in comparison to everyone that's around him. Um, and I know that's been a huge criticism for the, the film that's been in all the reviews. But being said, I didn't really let it bother my experience. I think if we get bogged down on that detail, we're missing the bigger picture. Mm. Um, Have you had yeah. a chance to see a production of this show with Ben Platt not playing Evan Hansen? I have not, and I would love to. I'd love to see how it's different. Um, particularly, I'd love to see Jordan Fisher. I'm a big fan of them. Um, to see, I, it'd to be see what they do with it, yeah. Absolutely. Um, the, it'd be interesting the, to see that. One of the traps that people can fall into is the fact that when a role becomes so intertwined with its performer, uh, it's hard to allow people to bring other ideas and other interpretations to it. Do you think there are other interpretations that could vary differently from what Ben Platt was doing as Evan Hansen in subsequent productions of Dear Evan Hansen? It was really interesting a couple of years ago when Andrew Bart Feldman took over the role and he was a legit high schooler. Uh, I think he was 17 when he took over the role, which is actually the age that Evan is. Um, and so there was a youthness and an energetic there's a, a new energy to that, to that role. When you have someone that's actually that age playing that role. Um, I think when Jordan Fisher took over the first uh, black Evan Hansen, that added a new energy. It added the way that we look at the role. Um, when, when it is a person of color playing that role. Um, and what does that say? Um, I think there's multiple interpretations that can be done. And I think as we continue to have productions of the show, or if it ever gets licensed, if it ever leaves Broadway, I hope it doesn't, um, what it will look like in community settings. Um, I think a production of Dear Evan Hansen in Alabama will look very different from a production that happens in New York or Pennsylvania or all over the country. But, regard yeah. but regardless of where it's set, I'm assuming that what you're saying is, is the universality of it will always mean something to someone regardless of the locale. Absolutely. My last question for you, Frederick, is about um, what did Dear Evan Hansen open the door to? And I know this is tricky for us because historians say you really can't judge a historical moment until 25 years after the event has occurred. We're not that far away from Dear Evan Hansen yet. 
Can you tell us what you think the impact of Dear Evan Hansen is on musical theater? I think what we're going to see happening more and more is that the lesser known shows are going to get just as much time in the spotlight as these bigger name shows with millions of dollars attached to it. We see this with shows like The Lightning Thief and Be More Chill that had relatively short runs, never made it to Broadway, but had these out-of-town tryouts, recorded a cast album, and then like a year or two later, all of a sudden there's this resurgence because of social media. Um, And it allows people to hold on to these shows a lot longer than what their original intended life was. Um, And I think if producers are smart, they're gonna continue keeping their finger on the pulse there. Uh, Be More Chill came back, not only went to Off-Broadway, went to Broadway, got Joe Iconis a Tony nom. Um, There's power in listening to the fans on social media. And I think Dear Evan Hansen, notice that probably first and foremost and opened up this door for other shows to follow that same model. Do you think that uh, we'll see an influx of musicals that deal specifically with a teenage generation? Or do you think that this was just maybe a one-off because like you like you were saying things like dear Evan, uh, uh sorry be more chill in the lightning thief weren't financially successful geared towards a teenage audience what do you, what do you think is going to happen i think stories about young people are always going to be relevant they have been for Darren hansen and they'll continue to be afterwards um i think as we see rising ticket prices and just the absurd amount that people are paying for broadway tickets that's going to shut out people from seeing the show I think a big reason why Be More Chill and The Lightning Thief didn't really do as well on Broadway as they could have been elsewhere is because the ticket prices are expensive and parents can't drop their kids off to go see a Broadway show um, and continue to afford to do that, whereas they might be able to do at uh, Two River Theater or Off-Broadway. They can afford to do that a little bit more. And these shows, like specifically Be More Chill, it's kind of a niche show that parents don't necessarily want to take their kids to, but they'll drop their kids off for it. Um, Dear Evan Hansen is a family experience, right? Everyone can get something out of that. And so that's why that musical continues to run on Broadway because it's not just for a particular age group. Um, I think as musicals go, they're gonna continue to be having their finger on the pulse and what's important to that particular generation. I think because teenagers are so much on social media right now, um, it feels like we're the ones that are, these shows are being marketed towards. And so of course the musicals are gonna be about us because we're the ones that are talking about it and giving this free publicity by sharing all of these posts. Frederick, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you so much for such a thoughtful and wonderful chapter about the power of Dear Evan Hansen. And it's exciting to see you know, 25 years from now, let's, let's talk again and see how, uh, how right we were on, on this one. Um, friends, thank you so much for joining us today. Please make sure to purchase a copy of 50 Key Stage Musicals by visiting routledge.com or by clicking in today's show description. If you want to learn more about Dear Evan Hansen, please also review the links in the below description. I'm Robert Schneider, and thank you for listening to 50 Key Stage Musicals, the podcast. Goodbye. I've learned to slam on the brake Before I even turn the key
Before I make the mistake Before I lead with the worst of me Give them no reason to stare No slipping up if you slip away So I got nothing to share No, I got nothing to say Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.